Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Good morning. It's good to be in Loveland. I, you know, I don't think I've ever been to Loveland. I've driven through here, but you have a great town. And we spent last night, uh, we actually found some Cajun food here in town. I'm from Louisiana. I don't know if you knew that or not. Born and raised, so I have high standards. Pastor Osman told me about this uh, Cajun place in town, so we went last night. So we've enjoyed your city already. It's good to be with you. I just want you to know this. You may know this already, but in case you don't, you have a fantastic pastor. Do you know that? And I'm not, you really, you really do. And I'm not saying that to be polite, although I'm, I'm normally very polite. But I'm not saying that just to have good manners. I really love your pastor. And when we met several months ago, I just knew right away, this is a young guy that the Lord's hand is upon. And he had, the Lord has brought him to your church and to this city as an assignment, and take good care of him, all right, because good pastors are hard to find, and you got one, so take really good care of this family, and I also have my 22-year-old son with me, Abram, with me today. He is a a senior in college, and he is uh, alongside me today. He travels with me a lot, so we're good to have Abram here with me. He... uh, He's about to graduate college, and it's going to get less expensive at my house, and I'm, I'm kind of grateful for that. Does that sound selfish? Because it really was selfish. So anyway, <laughs> all right, turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 3. I want, I want to share this message with you today. This is a, a beautiful story. For those of you that may not be familiar with this story, a, a woman named Hannah was having a hard time having children. And she went before the Lord and made a bargain with God, made a deal with God that if you'll give me a child, I'll let this child serve in the house of the Lord. And so sure enough, she gets pregnant. And when the baby is old enough, she brings the child to the house of the Lord. And a very corrupt priest named Eli receives the child. And I just want you to know today that that policy is no longer in effect in the church. So I want you to take as many children home as you brought with you today. Okay, is that all right? Leave no child left behind. That's our motto here at Good Shepherd Church. So, But this is a fascinating story because this little boy is not just any normal little boy. Samuel would grow up to be the prophet. He would anoint two different kings of Israel. So there was something special on this little boy's life. But it did not start in the hall, in the palace. It started in a quiet, hidden place in the church. And so stay with me as I read this story. I'm going to read a lot of scripture to start out with this morning. But it's important for you to catch this story. Because I'm going to talk to you today about hearing God. And if there was ever a time in the history of the American church, if there was ever a time in the history of your church, if there was ever a time that this county and this city needed people to hear God, it's right now. And I I believe, quite honestly, I'm going to say this to the strength that I feel it, I believe that one of the truest marks of being a disciple of Jesus is having the ability to discern God's leading, God's voice in your life. Now, some of you may have a hard time with that, hearing God. What does that mean? Let me, let me uh, make it very simple for you. Think about the time that you were thinking about getting married or buying a house or making a decision about your job. It wasn't that God came to you and yelled something audibly at you, but you felt a leading. You felt a, an urging. You felt something guiding you in a particular di- direction. That's what I mean by hearing God. God wants to put his hand on all of our lives 
And the Bible says he wants to lead us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, right? So this is what I'm talking about today is being led by God, being directed by God, being, being engineered by God. That's what I'm talking about today. And I, if you're okay with that, if you're okay with God being in control of your life, say a real loud amen so I know I'm talking to the right group of people. This is the story today. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're going to read 10 verses. And it says, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Eli is the corrupt priest that's in charge of the temple. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. It wasn't that God was not speaking. I just believe that people weren't listening. And that's true. I think God's always trying to get our attention, but it's possible that his people aren't always listening. And there were not many visions. But one night, Eli, now think about this. This is Eli He's an older man. All the men over the age of 60 uh, know, you know with me, I'm 54, so I'm, I'm getting close to you. But for those of you that are over 60, you know how precious a good night's sleep is, right? When you are sound asleep, when you are deep in sleep, you don't want little children coming into your room waking you up at that point. So this is not going to happen once. It's going to happen three times. So stay with me, all the guys in the room, all right? Said, so Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel, the little boy, was lying down in the house of the Lord. Listen to this. He had the most sacred bedroom in the history of bedrooms. His bedroom was near the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, this is Indiana Jones kind of stuff. This is what Indiana Jones has been looking for for the, all, the, all those movies. The Ark of the Covenant, right? This is where his bedroom was. The most holy place on the planet was where he was lying down. And the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel heard something. He didn't know what he was hearing. He says, here I am. And he ran to Eli. So he runs into where the older guy is lying down. He says, uh, did you call me? But Eli said, hey, I didn't call. Was it me? You're hearing stuff. Go back, lie down. So he went and lay down. And again, the Lord called, Samuel. Notice that the volume of the voice goes up here. There's an exclamation point. And Samuel got up, went to Eli, said, hey, I heard something again. Did you call me? And Eli says, I did not call. Go back and lie down. You've now woke me up twice. And this is not going good for you, okay? And he says, so here's the third time. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And I want to stop here just for a moment and, and, and point out something. It's possible to be in holy places and not know the holy God of that place. So it's possible to be in church, to know the story of God, to be comfortable in spiritual environments, to be okay with being spiritual or being curious about God, but not know the voice of God. Now, here is Samuel, who's in the most holy place on the planet, and he didn't know the voice of the Lord. He was around a lot of holy stuff, but did not know the God of that holy place. So he said he did not yet know. He says he had not, the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And a third time, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up, went to Eli, he says, here I am, you call me. And then Eli realizes that the Lord was calling the boy. So even then, it took three times for Eli to get involved. So Eli says to Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, here's how you should respond. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. 
And the Lord came and stood there. To notice, this is the fourth time that God's had interaction with this little boy. And this time, the Lord is standing in front of him, it says, and calling as if the other times. I want you to notice how diligent and how patient and how faithful and how persistent God is in getting this little boy's attention. Let me ask you a question. If God is that persistent in getting a little boy's attention who's sleeping in the church, is it possible that God's also persistent in getting our attention? Yes. God is persistent. God wants to have conversations with us. And the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Notice that he repeats the name. This is the only time in the story where he says his name twice, but he says it twice. Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Speak because your servant is listening. I love what Eugene Peterson says that God speaks is one of the basic realities. Uh, that, that of the biblical faith. Eugene Peterson says that, that, the, that the idea of following God means that you're hearing him, that you're listening to him, that you're being led by him. In fact, if you were to look at your Bible, open up page one of your Bible, Genesis chapter one is the story of God trying to get our attention. Genesis chapter one, God's creating the world by speaking. It says that he hovered over the dark of the deep and that it was the word of God that caused the oceans and the mountains to come to fruition. It was God speaking. So Genesis chapter 1, the story of the Bible opens up with not a God who's on mute. This is a God who's speaking, who's speaking to us. If you go to the last page of your Bible, Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter of the Bible, God's reminding us, God is speaking to us, and he says to us, I am coming soon. So the opening pages of the Bible is a God who's speaking the closing pages of the Bible is a God who's speaking, and everything in between is a story of a God who is speaking. If you're okay with that so far, say amen. All right, so I want to just show you a few things about this particular passage. This story is so rich, and I love reading the story of Samuel trying to discern the voice of the Lord. Now, I know we got kids in the room. I know you have kids' ministry going all, all, all over the building. Parents, listen to me. The most important thing you can do as a parent is to help your child discern the will of the Lord in their life. To pay attention, to call attention to what God is doing in their life. You know, there is no junior Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that stirs the hearts of our children. In fact, I would say that the Holy Spirit is probably more active in the lives of children many times because children have not lost their innocence. They haven't become the old cynic that the rest of us have. And children's eyes and hearts and imaginations are wide open to what God is saying to them. And this story is fascinating. First of all, look at the first thing I want to show you is in verse 4. It says that the word of the Lord is actually personal. The word of the Lord is always personal. Notice that when God came to this, to this little boy, he calls him Samuel. The Lord said, Samuel. The Lord called him by name. It's important for when we hear about God speaking that God sees you. God knows you. You know that God knows your name. And right now, uh, we have an entire generation of young people who really don't believe that God is interested in their personal lives. There's the, one of the most powerful things that are, people are believing right now is that God is more deistic. The, the, the idea of deism means that God is out there. He's a big God. He's a powerful God. But he's not really interested in me. And this story reminds us that God is actually interested in us. He calls us by name. 
He's interested in our lives. He calls Samuel by his name. God knew his mother. He knew the promise that Hannah had made to God. And when God comes to Samuel, he calls him by name. I just want to encourage you this morning that I don't know where you walked in from. I don't know what you've been up to this week. I'm just getting to know you. But the Lord knows who you are. And maybe it's been a while since you have talked to God personally. But God knows your name. God knows the inner workings. God knit you together in the womb of your mother. You're not a cosmic mistake. You're not an accident. And the Lord wants to have conversations with you. He wants to have conversations with you by name. And God is always personal when he speaks to us. Here's the second thing, is that the word of the Lord is revealed. Verse 7 says the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. This word revealed is talking about a supernatural miraculous act. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that we hear God's voice. If you're not in love with the Holy Spirit, you will never hear the voice of the Father. This is why Father, Son, Holy Spirit always work in tandem with one another. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. And when we fall in love with Jesus, we know that God the Father is the one that sent Jesus to us. And Jesus said, I must leave so that the Holy Spirit will come to you. They always work in agreement with one another. And I'm a person who loves the Holy Spirit. I want all of the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit because I know when I invite the Holy Spirit into my life, I have an opportunity to have a conversation with the Father in heaven. I can follow Jesus and know God the Father because of the work of the Spirit. That's the best way I've ever explained the Trinity, right there. That was it, right there. That was a culmination of 25 years of me describing the Trinity to you. I didn't use an egg analogy. I didn't use any of that. I'm just telling you that the Holy Spirit wants you to hear the voice of the Father. It's the Spirit's work. In fact, uh, for the last several years, in fact, your pastor prayed it a moment ago. For the last several years, I have been teaching my, my church a very simple three-word prayer. The, pr- the prayer, we can date it back probably to se- 1,700 years ago. The church fathers were trying to help people hear the voice of the Lord. And, and so the prayer is, come, Holy Spirit. Come to us, Holy Spirit. Now, we're not praying that prayer because we think the Holy Spirit's run off from us. We're not, we're not praying that prayer because we think the Holy Spirit's not interested in us. We're praying that prayer to remind ourselves of how much we need the Holy Spirit. And In fact, this morning, uh, I prayed before I got out of bed this morning, I prayed, come, Holy Spirit. And that, that started about four years ago on my 50th birthday. I, I know it's shocking to you, surprising to you that I'm 54. I know I can see the startled look on many of your faces. You thought I was at least 64. I know that. But I'm only 54. I'm a young 54. But when I turned 50, I remember the morning that I woke up in January four years ago, and I just I, I realized that at 50 years old, you're probably at halftime. Let's just be honest, okay? We're not in the first half of our life. We're probably in the second half. Now, I'm in the early third quarter. I just want you to know that. But I realized that at 50, I'm at halftime. You know what happens if you're a sports fan? You know what happens at halftime? You make adjustments. And I felt like that when I turned 50, the Lord called, called a timeout. And he, he came to me, and we had a long conversation during that week of my 50th birthday. And he said, Brady, how do you want to finish your life? That's a sobering question, because I feel like up to this point, I've, I've, I've done well. But we all know this, that the second half of our life, we can really mess things up. And I want to be the old guy who finishes well. 
I want to finish strong. I want to finish on assignment. And I felt like the Lord said to me, Brady, the only way you're going to finish well is if you double down on your passion and fervency to hear me. Because you know what happens when you turn 50? You kind of become experts at a few things. You can, I actually know a few things. I, I, I actually have got some things figured out. I've, I've actually rounded, you know, I understand how to live life. But the problem with that is that sometimes you can lose your desire and innocence to hear the voice of the Lord. You can lose some of the very childlike things that led you to this place. I started out in my walk with the Lord very innocent, very childlike, hearing God, following God, obeying God. Well, now at 54, I have more to lose than when I was at 24. And I feel like that this was the Lord asking me, Brady, do you still want to hear my voice the way you did 25 years ago? And the answer is yes. And so for the last four years, every single morning, and I just want to give you a 30-day challenge, okay? I want to give you a, I challenge you to do this for the next 30 days. Before you get out of bed, before you turn on your phone, I know this is tough for you, okay? Before you look at your phone, before you turn on any television, any media, before your feet hit the ground, let me just put it that way, before you get out of bed, because you know what happens when you get out of bed, you get distracted. So this morning, I woke up, I'm alert, I'm oriented times four, I, I know where I am. Before I got out of bed, before I turned on my phone, this morning I sat in my, in my room and I said, come, Holy Spirit. I don't know what today has in plan. I have, I have plans for today, but I don't know everything that's going to happen today. But I do know this, that if I have the Holy Spirit's help today, I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. I can do whatever God has assigned for me to do today if the Holy Spirit is present in my life. So I'm asking for the work of the Spirit. I'm asking for the, the revelation of the Holy Spirit today. Come, Holy Spirit. That's a prayer I'm asking you to pray for the next 30 days. And see what happens. Maybe you're having a hard time. Maybe you feel spiritually stuck right now. Maybe your marriage feels stuck. I promise you, if you will ask for the Holy Spirit's help every single day for the next 30 days, your life can be radically changed. You will begin to hear God's voice clearer in your life. So here's the third thing I want to show you, is that the Word of the Lord requires help from other people. In fact, I can't tell you a major decision that I've ever made in my life that I did not have the help of wise counsel in my life. Now, I love what I, I've already noticed something about the church here, that this is a multi-generational church. There's young and old, black, white, and brown people in the building, and I love that about your church. In fact, this is the only place in America where that kind of diversity and where that kind of, 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 of generational equity is happening. We are so tribal right now in America, but the church has the way to break down those barriers. We've been given a supernatural assignment to come around one another, to build community one with the other. I love that I see uh, high school and college students in this service, and I love that I see some experience in the room. Come on, all the experienced people say amen. I didn't, call, I didn't call you old. I didn't say you were old. I said you're experienced because I'm a part of your group now. I don't like being called old, but I love being called experienced. And what happens in that kind of environment is now you have access to 30, 40 years of wisdom that you didn't have access until you walked in here today. And I want to encourage you to start building intentional relationship. First of all, all the experienced people in the room 
We need the zeal and the enthusiasm and the fervor and the passion of the generation that's behind us. We need that. I need to be around 20-somethings. I need to be around high school and college because they stir up in me a fervor and a zeal. It's hard to get bored when you're hanging around that generation because they're not bored. They have ideas. They, they're, they're innovative. That's, in fact, I believe they're the most innovative, creative generation that we've ever had in America. And we need to recognize that they are seeing things differently and they're creating things quicker than any other generation in America. I'm, I'm, I have a 22-year-old. I have a 20-year-old. One of them is studying game design and one of them studying film production. You don't think I have two creative people in my, my they're, they're challenging me to think differently. They're stirring up ideas in me that I didn't have before. Now, all of you 20-somethings, listen to me. You need, God, you need the experience in this room because they've lived life. They have been ahead of you. They know what it means to be married for 30 years. They know what it means to follow God for 30 and 40 years. They know what it means to make mistakes. They have learned from the mistakes that you're about to make. And ask them. Learn to ask for advice. Learn to ask for counsel. Notice in verse 8 that Eli is the one that realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Now, Eli, listen, Eli was corrupt. Eli wasn't the most godly man on the planet. So if you're looking for a perfect godly saint to ask all your questions, good luck with that, all right? We're all imperfect in this room. We're all flawed. We're all broken. Stop looking for the perfect mentor and just start looking for experienced people that have had some scars on them. And those scars tell a story. Those, they've made mistakes. They've learned from them. Ask them for advice. Ask them for counsel. Here's the fourth thing, is that the word of the Lord is heard by listeners. The word of the Lord is heard by listeners. So I got to tell you a story. Now, I've, my, I've been married for 31 and a half years. I know that's, again, shocking to you. And if you saw a photo of my wife, she looks about 35 years old. She's only a year and a half younger than me, but somewhere in her 30s, she stopped aging. And now I look like the guy who robbed the cradle, but she is... She's, <laughs> We've been married 31 and a half years, all right? We got married in the seventh grade. It was a scandal of the seventh grade. But we've made it. We're from Louisiana, so there's a different set of rules there, okay? So, <laughs> but she's amazing. She's a just beautiful woman. But I, so I've asked her for permission to tell this story. So when we started dating, okay, when we started dating, uh, there were other girls that I, were all, that I was also interested in, okay? This was, again, 35 years ago. That's not true today, but 35 years ago... There were other girls that I was kind of interested in, but I met her, and I knew she was special, and I kind of liked her, and uh, we met after church one Sunday night. I got her phone number. Uh, I was raked up a lot of courage to ask her for her phone number. Now, all of you over 50, do you remember when there was the phones had the dials where you had to dial? You had to, like, with your finger, actually put a lot of energy. And if your numbers had a lot of eights and nines in it, no one called you because it was just too much work, right? You remember the dial phone? Okay, this was the, the, there was no caller ID. When the phone rang at your house, you had no idea who's on the other line. It could be your drunk uncle. It could be anyone. You didn't know. It was a, it was a beautiful time to be alive because there was no way of knowing who was calling your house. So the problem with that is, is that when Pam called my house, there were other girls who were also calling my house because I have a, a, a brother who was similar age. There was always me, us calling girls and girls calling the house. 
Now, at this point, I was kind of liking Pam, but I did not recognize Pam's voice as well. So you know how risky this is, guys. A lot of risk here. So when that phone rang and I heard her voice, I had two seconds to decide which girl was calling the house. Now, fortunately for me, I got it right. Hey, Pam. And I held my breath to make sure it was Pam because I didn't want to call, you know. So you know what happened, though, as Pam and I began to have more conversations, then I didn't have as much trouble recognizing her voice. And then over after six months, after a year, as soon as she called, I could pick up the phone, and within a second, a half a second, I knew it was Pam who was calling me. And the way that I learned to recognize Pam's voice was I began to have exclusive conversations with Pam. No other girls had access to me. And therefore, the only voice, now, 31 and a half years later, she could be in this room, and she can speak paragraphs to me without ever saying a word. All the married men in the room, we know what it means to be trained well, right? We're all trained really well. And so my wife now, we have a lot of nonverbal communication. How does that happen? 31 and a half years of her training me. Knowing when it's time to go, knowing when I need to be quiet, knowing when I need to speak up, all those things. A look. I know exactly what she's saying. Listen, this is not any different than our relationship with the Lord. And oftentimes, the reason people have a hard time hearing God's voice is because God's voice is not exclusive to you. When God's voice becomes exclusive to you, when you wake up every morning saying, Father in heaven, send your Holy Spirit to me so that today no other voice takes precedent in my life. Father, today I want your voice to be exclusive to me. So the first few, that's why I said 30 days you need to do this. The first few days, you may not notice any difference. But I promise you 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, a year from now, you will look at me and say, Pastor Brady, I am hearing God's voice. I'm being led by God in a better way than I've ever been led because when you make God exclusive, when God becomes the most important person in your life, that's when you will begin to hear and know his voice. And let me just say this to you. Read the Psalms. You have 150 Psalms. Pick one every day. Read it out loud. Let me just say this to you. Read it out loud. Do you realize that we did not have written scriptures until about, what, five, 600 years ago? For the first 1,500 years of Christianity, the scriptures were heard. They were listened to first. Very few people had access to written scriptures. And so they, the only way the, the body of Christ could move and, and follow God was to hear the scriptures. And so the last five or 600 years, we've reduced it down to studying it instead of listening to it. So do both, but listen to the scriptures and pray back what the scriptures are saying to you, and then you'll begin to discern and know how God speaks, what he says by listening to the scriptures. And I believe the word of the Lord is heard by listeners. Let me just tell you one final story. Uh, Pam and I were a young married couple, and when we got married, uh, we realized after several years uh, that we weren't biologically able to have children. And that was devastating to us. It was a devastating time for us when doctors, one doctor after another told us, you're not going to have children. You're not going to be able to have children. 
And so we were just devastated. And we were in our, you know, by this point, we'd been married almost 10 years. We were in our early 30s. So in 1998, uh, I'll never forget this. In 1998, I was working at a television station in Amarillo, Texas. Now, Amarillo, Texas is in the far north part of, of Texas. We were born and raised in Louisiana, and my job had taken me out to Amarillo. So we're a long way away from all of our family. I don't know if you've ever moved away from your parents. Maybe you have the dream of doing that one day. But <laughs> Pam and I found ourselves a long way away from anybody that we know. And we so we were very lonely, and we had gotten this devastating news, and, uh, and we just really wanted to be back closer to our family. At that time, a television station that was 30 minutes away from my parents' house called me and made me a job offer. A jo more money than I'd ever made in my life, more responsibility than I'd ever been given in my life, and I, I, was, I was young. And this guy on the phone, I remember I was, we were in our uh, living room, and I had the phone up so my wife could hear him, we, I could hear him, and I was writing down the, everything he was telling me, the salary, the responsibilities, every, all the benefits they were going to give me. And of course, it had to be the Lord, right? It was a chance to move back to our hometown, to make more money than we'd ever made, to be closer to our family. I said to the guy, I need to pray about it overnight, because he, he was a believer, I said, I need to pray about it overnight, but I'll call you back tomorrow. I'm so excited. Hung up the phone. I high-fived Pam. I said, all you have to do is call your mom and dad. Tell them the good news. I was so amped up that I needed, I said, I just got to go for a walk and think about this and process this. Now, this is, I'm not exaggerating this story, okay? Sometimes I'll exaggerate stories, but this is, you can believe everything I'm about to say is true. I go outside. I take one step off the front porch. One step. And the Lord said to me, no. He yelled at me. I mean, right, I know. He scared me too, right? The Lord's yelling at me. And I paused. I froze because I conditioned myself to be led by God, to know the voice of, the, of God in my life. And the Lord said, no. Just like that. I stood there and I said, are you kidding me? This, did you not hear the job offer? Were you distracted? Did you not hear that? He goes, No. He said, Brady, this is what he said very gently to me. If you say yes to that, I will bless you, Brady. I know I will bless you. I, I, my, my blessing is on your life. But I have something better for you if you'll trust me. And just like that, this is a pivotal moment in my life. I'm a young man. I'm the, I'm the same age as you when this happened. And I gathered up my courage because I had to go back in and tell my wife, who was ready to move back to be closer to her mom and dad, that we weren't taking the job. So I walked back in, and I said, Pam, you're not going to believe what just happened. The Lord said, we have to trust him. And the, the answer is no. It was in the spring of the year. And I had to call the guy back the next morning and say, I, I don't know what to tell you. Pam and I prayed about it. We felt no peace about coming back. We're going to stay right here in Amarillo, Texas. And we don't know why, but we have to trust the Lord. The guy, was, he tried to talk me out of it. He said, Brady, I think you're making a mistake. I said, I don't know why we're supposed to say no, but we said no. After I hung up, I wish I could tell you that the next day something miraculous happened. It didn't. It was, a, it was 90 days. Three months went by, and nothing happened. In fact, Pam and I doubted. We wrestled. We, we wondered if we should call the guy back. Maybe he hadn't filled the job yet. We're having all these things. Nothing has happened. 90 days went by. And then one afternoon, I got a phone call from a pastor at our church. He said, Brady, can you come by the church today? I said, sure. 
He said, there's a lady here I want you to meet. Now, when I got there, we met her, and she was six months pregnant. And she said, I know you and Pam have been uh, praying for a child. She said, the baby I'm carrying, I cannot support. I, I, and I, I was, the, this is the Texas woman, okay? So she said, I was mowing my yard with a push mower. Now, she's six months pregnant. And the Lord spoke to me that you and Pam were supposed to take this child and raise him. Now, at the time, we didn't know it was a boy or girl. So we went with her to a sonogram that next week. It's a little boy. And that little boy is sitting on the front row. <laughs> so 22 years ago, we went to the hospital of that, the fall of that year. And the baby was born. It was Abram. And he's been with us for 22 years. Two years later, a 19-year-old single mom walked up to us, same thing, walked up to us and said, I am nine months pregnant, which was obvious. She was nine months pregnant. And she said, I'm carrying a little girl. Would you take this child and raise it as your own? And so we adopted Callie 20 years ago. Now, I'm telling you this story to tell you that there are going to be pivotal moments in your life where you're going to have to trust God or not. And it's not that God won't bless you because God's not angry with you for walking away. I'm just telling you there's going to be moments in your life where hearing God can change your life. And we have two children today, and they are a blessing from the Lord, both of them, because we stopped and we paused and we heard God and we were willing to trust him. And I just want to say this to you that the word of the Lord is heard by the listeners, and you'll never hear God unless you first get to know him. And I want to give you an invitation this morning to know him and to start this journey of hearing God on your own. And when you leave here today, I want you to walk out of here with one, one thing on your mind. I want to know this God who speaks to people. I want to know this God who is so concerned about my life that he's willing to have a conversation with me. That's, that's the God I'm following. That's the reason I follow God. He knows me. He's concerned about me, and he wants to have conversations with me. He wants to lead me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Can I pray for you today? I just want to pray for you, with you today. Father in heaven, I know that these are people that love you. These are people that are walking with you. They're trusting you. And Lord, anyone in this room or anyone watching online today that just had a pivotal moment, maybe they're at a place in their lives where they just are stuck. Maybe they, they don't know the God that I'm talking about. So, Father in heaven, I pray today that they would right now invite Jesus to be Lord of their lives. That they would just, in whatever words that they want, they would say to you, Father in heaven, I need a Savior. I put my hope and my trust in Jesus. I, I want to be led by God. I want the Spirit of God to speak to me. So, Father, I pray right now that in the room that you would stir up faith, that you would call us back to a place of knowing you, of following you, of trusting you, of hearing you. So, Father, I speak that blessing over the people in this room today. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's just stand together. I just uh, sense this morning before we dismiss, I just want to send you out today. With, I hope this story has encouraged you. I hope that you know that the Lord knows your name. And so I just want to pray a, a blessing on you as you go out today and I pray that you would carry this message with you all week this week. I pray that you would find yourself praying that simple three-word prayer throughout the week. Come, whenever you feel alone, whenever you feel 
stuck, whenever you feel pressured, whenever you just feel like, I must hear the Lord, would you just stop whatever you're doing this week and pray a three-word prayer with me, come Holy Spirit. Maybe can we just pray that right now? Come Holy Spirit. Come to your people at Good Shepherd Church in Loveland, Colorado. Lord, would you send your spirit upon these people? Would you bless Pastor Austin and the team here? Would you bless this church? And let us be a people that go out of here today with a kingdom assignment to hear your voice, to obey what you tell us, Lord, to be people of faith, to be people of courage, and to be people of strength. So, Lord, I send them out now with the blessing of the Lord. Make your face shine upon them. Lord, may grant them peace, fill them with joy. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Good to be with you today. Go in peace. You're dismissed. Have a great day today.